Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Orlova. I'm an OCD specialist and I have OCD. I've helped people from all over the world. And the most common thing that I see and hear people with OCD is that they feel isolated, confused about OCD and ERP, and oftentimes misunderstood. There are online self-study courses out there with once a month Q&A calls. What I've done is created a Mastering OCD membership to address the two most common questions that I hear. I can't have access, I can't gain access, and I can't afford it. My membership really helps to close this gap. You have weekly live Q&A calls, there's pre-recorded six weeks worth of training, and regardless if you're starting in week one or if you're at the end of week six, you will always have access to live weekly Q&A calls. Living with OCD means being able to have ongoing support and ability to review your foundational training. People often doubt if they can really get better, and the answer is yes, you can, but you have to put in the work, and you get what you put in. So if you are interested in joining, go to www.coreresults.com forward slash mastering OCD. Thanks so much and see you there. Hi, Allegra. Welcome. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Yes. And you are with Obsessively or After on Instagram. I am. Yes. Yes. And so I'm super excited to have you here because um, you're somebody actually I looked up to quite a bit in the community in the OCD and I definitely followed suit like when I first was even starting Instagram. So I really am excited that you're here because I'm a big fan. Oh, I love that. Thank oh, yeah. you. Sure. Um, and so, you know, big part of why I wanted to meet and talk with you today is because um, I have a lot of people who live and are scattered around the world, just as I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. And one of the common things that people ask or things that I hear a lot, and maybe you see this both, you know, with questions you get as well as in your practice, um, is things like, how do I know even if it's OCD, right? It's it's one thing once you finally have had the diagnosis and, and, or if it's really severe and you could tell that something's just really off and you're stuck. But I think there's a lot of questions around, well, what about if I really am not sure, is it OCD? What about, you know, how would it show up if it's, maybe more mild, if it's mm-hmm. not so intense and you're not quite sure, can this fall in that category, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's several questions in that one big question, but that's really what I want us to focus today is do a deeper dig into yeah. that. So if you don't mind um, to talk to all of us a little bit about um, how would somebody even recognize or know that they might even be um, dealing with an OCD experience? Absolutely. So to start with, all human beings get intrusive thoughts. Every single person on this planet does. To be diagnosed with OCD, there's particular diagnostic criteria. So it's having obsessions, which are repetitive and persistent intrusive thoughts, images, urges, or sensations that are unwanted. So the obsessions are egodystonic, meaning they're opposite to your values. They're opposite to what you believe in and what you know of yourself. And then there are compulsions, which could be physical or mental behaviors that you do to try to alleviate anxiety or to prevent some dreaded outcome from happening. And the compulsions aren't connected 
in any real way with reality, right? Or they're really, really excessive. Like that is the diagnostic criteria of OCD. So for somebody to be diagnosed, it also has to be time consuming and it has to impair functioning. So at least an hour of the person's day has to be taken up by obsessions or compulsions. It gets tough because some people probably have intrusive thoughts and they might perform compulsions here and there, but it might not take up an hour of their day. And regardless of a diagnosis, like the treatment would be the same. If somebody has very mild symptoms and wants to work on it, they can still utilize mindfulness and exposure and response prevention. So I would say mild OCD is probably like on the lower end of like not much impairment in functioning. Obsessions and compulsions don't take up a lot of time but they still might have intrusive thoughts that feel more notable than the average person. So can you actually then give us a little bit of an example of what that might look like? Because that's, that's a great point. And I, I mean, I think logically, like I'm, I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. But I can imagine if that's me, I'm like, well, what, like, how would I know? What, what, like, what would somebody see? What would I see in myself? Absolutely. So intrusive and unwanted thoughts or images fall into a lot of different themes is what we call them with OCD, like different nicknames, but it could be having repetitive thoughts that pop into your mind that scare you. They're irrational, they're unwanted, and they pop into your mind throughout the day. It could be, what if my loved one dies? What if I molest a child? What if I'm in the wrong relationship? What if, you know, I am not experiencing reality and all of this is a dream? Like there are so many different kinds of intrusive thoughts that could pop in. I mean, they're all thoughts at the end of the day, but different themes they could take on. So it would really look like intrusive thoughts that are unwanted popping in throughout the day and then compulsions that the person is performing. There are a ton of different compulsions, so I could go into this for days Definitely. But what would be like some mild thing, like on the mild spectrum, because I think that that's not talked about as often. So I think people might, might miss this a little bit. Like what, what might that look like? Like you were saying that maybe it's not taking up a whole entire hour. Maybe it's throughout the day, but if your person looks, they might realize like, Oh yeah, I tend to do this repetitive thing throughout the day. So what could be some things or clues um, where a person could look for, for? Yeah. So, I mean, it really like, this is such a broad question. It's like so hard to answer, but I mean, I've seen some people who come in and say like, you know, every night when I'm like asleep, if I get out of bed to go to the bathroom, I have 10 seconds to get back to my bed or else like something bad is going to happen. And it doesn't necessarily impair their functioning. It doesn't bother them very much, but it's a repetitive behavior that they have to perform because of their magical thinking. Or some people will say, like, I have, you know, I have intrusive thoughts about my relationship. It doesn't bother me a ton. Like, sometimes I'll find myself ruminating, but it's not necessarily time consuming and it's not like debilitating. Like, usually OCD that is diagnosed is impairing to people. You know, it's difficult to get through the day or it takes up a lot of your time. So somebody that's experiencing it very, very mildly usually wouldn't have that impairment in functioning. And they probably wouldn't even say that their symptoms are like that debilitating. Got it. So that basically can go through the day. They might feel like there, there is something that they do that they feel like they have to do. That would be something to look for. Um, and that might be in that mild spectrum where, 
yeah, like you said, they're, they're not necessarily getting stuck on anything. So let's move to then what would it be like if we went into that moderate level? Because I also find that there's probably a lot of folks who are in that middle zone um, that start to have more doubt about is it, is it not, but definitely they're, they're starting to experience impact in their environment, in their relationships with friends, family, work. So, and here's the thing, OCD is the doubting disorder. So I think anybody, whether like how like severe the disorder is, most people doubt whether or not they have it. So that's oh, a yes. question too, right? Like, well, how do I know if this is OCD? That's also like a classic OCD question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, listen, I can tell you hundred percent that that's been my journey for yes. a long time before I finally was like, okay, no, this is what it is. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. And really like moderate or severe. I mean, it just, it depends on the person. It yeah. depends on how much time it takes up. It depends on how much their life is impacted. Mm-hmm. And when we look at impairment and functioning, like it, somebody could have severe OCD. Like I had very severe OCD, but I was extremely high functioning. So it's also a tough question to answer because like I just said, somebody can be really severe and do everything that they want to do in life. Yeah. I would so say what like something how- that, we, that could be clues to, because I think one of the things I definitely am hearing and I of course know myself is looking at, for example, things that are like repetitive, that, that keep um, coming in and bothering you, that you can't seem to kind of shake off and that just keep popping in your head. Um, and then in response, you keep doing something like, for example, um, maybe excessively apologizing um, or constantly reaching out and saying, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Is everything okay? Because really what's driving that behavior is this um, this intrusive uh, thought and feeling of I did something wrong. So that would be like an example of what that might look like. For sure. Um, and this also connect. Yeah. And this also gets tough. I think it depends on the client as well, because like somebody could have an anxious attachment style, right. And they might not necessarily have OCD, but they seek reassurance a lot in their relationships. So a full assessment would have to be given to make sure that the person has it. And like in terms of things that the person would look out for unwanted thoughts that are not rational, OCD by nature is irrational. So like, what if my partner doesn't love me? And it's often the person who's like been married for, I don't know, 15 years and their partner like openly declares their love for them. Pretty irrational. Or what if I molest a child and like this person has never, ever had these thoughts before and they've never had desire to, you know, molest children. So things like you can't control our thoughts. And that's the first part of OCD is unwanted thoughts that are repetitive. You can't get the thought out of your head, no matter how hard you try. And so then you perform a compulsion to try and get rid of it, which as we know, only keeps you stuck in the cycle. Great. And that actually, I'm sure maybe you already thought about this, but I'm sure there's people wondering now, well, what about if I actually um, had uh, something that did happen to me? Let's say I did do something wrong Mm -hmm. or I did actually like make a mistake or I know for some folks who are listening there in a group where, you know, they might be like, because I've had some people reach out to me, well, what if I, you know, drank a little too much um, at a friend's birthday and then I'm, you know, I, I did do something and then suddenly, oh my gosh, and now I'm, I'm stuck. Um, you know, what would be a hallmark of something like that where something actually did happen in real life? And then of course the OCD brain, you know, attaches to it and just won't let go. 
Absolutely. So like with that, we'd characterize that as like real event OCD, right? So something actually happened and the sufferer has latched onto it. And what makes it different than other people who might've done something and they look back and think, oh, why did I do that? They're able to move on. The OCD sufferer cannot. It's at the forefront of their brain. It's intrusive. They keep thinking about the thing. And the work is not forgiveness, right? Because that would be compulsive. We wouldn't tell a client, just forgive yourself because like what you did wasn't that bad. Because in a way, like that's logic and logic, like OCD does not respond to logic. So the work is to tolerate the uncertainty and to sit in that gray area. There's a really great article that I read about this. I think it's by Stacey Cole Wachner at OCD Specialist LA. And she describes it as like with OCD, it's either like you're Gandhi or you're like Hitler, like you're some terrible human being. And the OCD sufferer wants to be on either side or not like you obviously wouldn't want to be on the side of Hitler, but they want to declare, what am I? Am I good? Am I bad? But we sit in that gray, right? Like we don't have a hundred percent certainty that we are good people. So it's sitting with the uncertainty and moving toward your values without compulsively analyzing the event or figuring out what it means or compulsively forgiving yourself. Yeah. Wow. First of all, thank you for that. That's, that's, that's such a, um, I think powerful, um, way to actually conceptualize it and think about it because that's really true, right? Most of us always want to know, am I good? Am I bad? Did I do anything Very wrong? Black and white. Exactly. Is this really black and white, all or nothing kind of thinking, um, and being able to actually disconnect or step back just enough from that, that you can start to work on, well, maybe I can be both or I can be neither, who knows, and, and allowing yourself to just hang out there. Um, and really, I, th- I think what I'm really hearing you say too, just to uh, recap is a couple of things that are really important, which is one, um, really noticing where you get stuck and you're really not able to continue moving on. Um, two is where then because of being stuck and, and having these, these feelings of anxiety that then you feel compelled, like, like you said the word, you feel like you need to do something about it. You need to respond to it. You need to somehow fix it or try to make it better, try to figure it out in some way. Um, otherwise something bad's going to happen or, or you won't be able to move on or somehow anxiety won't, won't leave you alone. Um, so those are kind of key hallmarks to look for. Um, yeah, maybe a little different uh, or a lot different, really, than just, um, you know, having anxiety about actual real life events. It's where a real life event could happen. But instead of what a person might do, which is, let's say, think about it a little bit, problem solve it, do what they need to do to take care of the situation and be able to move on and keep growing. A person with OCD would not be able to exhibit those kind of behaviors. They would actually just continuously get stuck and loop in that cycle um, and, and just go deeper and deeper into that rabbit hole. Yeah. And I think what you said about like the needing to or the feeling of like, I have to perform this compulsion. That's also very hallmark of OCD, that sense of urgency. It's like I must solve this now. Mm-hmm. Instead of like somebody could have a doubt about their relationship and think, OK, well, I'll figure this out over time. The OCD sufferer wants to know right now in that moment, I have this sense of urgency that this needs to be solved. So that's also a characteristic, like for people who might even be struggling moderately or mildly, compulsions come with a sense of urgency. 
Yeah, that's that's a really important distinction, actually. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like everything has to halt and stop because I have to take care of this. And because if I don't, this 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 feeling of loom and loom and doom, like yeah. something just like bad is going to happen. I don't do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole my whole world is going to fall apart, or everybody's going to find out, and I'm going to go to jail, or social yep. media. I'm going to be on blast somehow. It's going to happen, and yep. everyone's going to hate me, and I'm this terrible person, and I'm going to be an outcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really catastrophic, isn't it? It is. <laughs> awesome. Okay, wow. Thank you so much for just diving into this. I know it's we kind of hit into different fun. territories, but I think it's important to keep unpacking um, just because I think people really get stuck. Um, and I want to ask you just one last question. We're talking about what this might look like for somebody who's experiencing OCD. What would be something that you might um, give us tips for somebody who is somebody who loves somebody with OCD, whether it be a parent, a significant other, a friend, um, yeah. what would be some key features that they might notice that person do that could give them clues like, hmm, something's off. Like this doesn't seem quite like just anxiety, anxiety. There's something else going on here. Yeah. So I think like developmentally, it could manifest a bit differently, like by age group. I would say kids often ask for a lot of reassurance or they confess frequently as a compulsion. Like you'll often see kids go to their parents and say, I just had this really bad thought or I just had this scary thought. Please help me. What does this mean? So that's what like usually happens with kids. And then as the person gets older, I mean, it really depends on like the theme of OCD per se. Because, like, we know of classic OCD as, like, contamination obsessions with compulsions, like hand-washing or cleaning. And that's visible to other people. So a family member could probably pick up on that a bit easier. Mm-hmm. When it comes to, like, pure O, which is obsessions and mental compulsions that can be a little bit more difficult Mm -hmm. because a lot of the time with the more taboo obsessions, people feel a lot of shame and they feel really uncomfortable going to somebody with those thoughts. Mm -hmm. So if somebody did come to a family member and say, this is what I'm experiencing, I'm having these unwanted thoughts, I don't know why I'm thinking them, that would be characteristic of OCD. Um, I mean, there are a million other compulsions as well that someone could look out for, but it really is dependent on whether it's like overt or covert. So it sounds like if it's overt, we might see things like you said, even in adults, like reassurance seeking or starting to avoid uh, situations or people or places more. Yeah. Like avoidant behaviors. Um, It might be things like, like um, whether it's washing, but I think, sounds like from what you said is they might they might see that a person is getting stuck like they have to have things a certain way or or they have to do things a certain way they might even be asking now you as a family member to do compulsions for them yeah to (laughs) say can you open this for me um and you might notice that that gets more progressive over time that suddenly they're they're not doing things like they should be and they're having you they're asking you to do more and more Yeah. Or reassurance seeking. I think like with like Puro or OCD that is overt, like people often ask for reassurance and reassurance. Like when we think of it in regard to OCD, it's not just like somebody has asked you for reassurance once, like the person comes back to you multiple times asking the same question or a variation of the same question. 
So that's when we can kind of understand like, okay, I've already answered this for my family member six different times and they're coming back to me again. Something doesn't feel right about this. Got it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate your time and just diving into this. This was fantastic. I'll make sure to include the link um, in the show notes. Um, And is there anything else that um, we would love to mention about you or how we can find you or any other ways we can see you connect with you? Yeah. So on Instagram, like you said, I'm at obsessively ever after. I am an associate marriage and family therapist working in Los Angeles. I specialize in the treatment of OCD, BDD, anxiety disorders, and BFRBs. So really Instagram, I would say, is probably my main platform. And then I have a newsletter as well through my website, which is AllegraCastins.com. Awesome. I'll include all of that in the notes. Thank you so much. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. You too. All right. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you want ongoing support with live weekly Q&A calls to address your questions about OCD, go to www.coreresults.com forward slash mastering OCD.